Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility, but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. Thank you so much for joining me. We're going to pick up from where we left off last Friday about our Q&A. The audio was kind of distorted at the end of that. That's why I ended it there. Um, And I was going to, well, I did talk about how um, my mental and emotional practice really helped me get through some really hard times. Um, It only like was like 40 seconds, I think, that we cut off. Um, But without further ado, let's get to today's episode. And because I was willing to keep going and going and digging deeper, um, my natural fertility started to restore itself. And because of the circumstances, we actually didn't try naturally um, after our IVF baby. My husband was away, the Zika virus came around and he was traveling to countries with the Zika virus. We knew we had frozen embryos. and we were going back for them. So we used, um, we had protected sex because of all these issues. And then we did the frozen embryo transfer. It ended in an early miscarriage and that was it. We, we were done. I thought, okay, that's it. You know, um, at that point I did believe I, my body could get pregnant naturally, but I still didn't have, I didn't have anyone like me to prove it. Like I didn't have anyone to look at like, okay, she did it. So it is possible. Um, I'm sure there was people out there, but no one was explaining it on an autoimmune level. No one was talking about the steps to take to get there. There's always these like natural, like these miracle pregnancies, right? Um, But no one had the science behind it. And so when I got pregnant naturally, um, that wasn't, that was, because I was willing to continue on and keep going. Even though I had medical assistance, even though I had the immune suppressing drugs, I was still doing everything in my power that I could do to improve my overall health. And it trickled down to improve my egg quality and improve my immune system so much so to get pregnant naturally after eight years and years of medical treatment. So it's really about digging in deep and continuing to keep going. Because I think sometimes these medical procedures, um, you, when they fail, you can just look at them as failures. But what I was doing with my medical procedures is every single one was um, like an improvement for me because I was still improving on a natural side. So I kept trying to find the silver lining right and I know it's really hard to do when you're the thick of it and don't get me wrong I had my down days I had my down weeks yeah after my second miscarriage 
I didn't beat myself up. I didn't blame myself. I didn't think, what could I do? What could I have done differently? Um, I, I grieved that loss. And, um, but I was also proud of myself for like knowing that it wasn't anything you could have done. You did everything in your power. So it does, it does help to shift your mindset with that. Um, so a few like random questions, what fish to eat, how many times, I think this comes back to your food intolerances. Um, you need to figure out, you know, what fish work for you. Um, you obviously don't want to overdo it on fish, um, especially high mercury fish, but you need to find your balance. There's no right answer for this. Um, sugar, is it really that bad? Um, I think, you know, we can, we want to go around 25 grams a day uh, for our sugar intake and make sure we're watching where all that sugar comes from. That includes your fruit, that includes um, your kombuchas you're drinking. Those are high in sugar. Um, any canned products or, um, you know, paleo friendly uh, products, they load those things up with sugar. Um, you obviously don't have to avoid it to like have no sugar in your diet. That's definitely not the, the, um, the goal, but, um, you can treat yourself every once in a while. Your taste buds will start to change as well. And when you regulate your hormones, you won't get the sugar cravings that you used to. So things will start to shift and sugar won't control your life because it's super addictive. Like it's scientific, scientifically proven that sugar is crazy addictive. Um, I just have a, a question here. At what point would you have walked away after our embryo transfer, uh, our last one, that was it. So I did two full blown IVFs and three frozen embryo transfers. And that was it. Um, I wasn't going to do anymore. And I say that in hindsight, like I say that now, um, I know my husband, um, because the men don't go through these things was willing to keep going. Um, but I had like, I had something inside of me that said no more. I didn't want to do any more medical treatments. I was fine on all the drugs. Like I didn't have like drugs like me, <laughs> like it's not a good thing to say, but so I never like had a bad thing. The only drug I hated being on was the steroids when they use for the immune suppressing drugs. I hated that. I hated it so much. Um, but um, yeah, that was it. And I mean, we were lucky that we had our IVF baby and we were, um, I mean, we're talking eight years by this point. Um, so we were grateful that we had him. At least I could cry. You could cry talking about that. Um, but yeah, that was me done with medical treatment. And there was no way in hell I was ever going back to temping, charting, peeing on sticks. Like that was definitely not going to be me either. So um, that was my point, but I think, um, I think too, sometimes you have to have a plan, but also be open for that plan to change. Um, you know, we all had a certain expectation of when we were going to have kids, how many kids we were going to have by a certain age. And um, if infertility can teach you anything is that um, like to let go of, of those like perceived um, 
expectations that you put on your life. Um, and now with all the hindsight that I have, and that's why I say hindsight's a bitch, um, I was supposed to have two kids, maybe three by the age of 30. And um, they were going to be all really close together because me and my brother are only 14 months apart. And that's what I thought it was supposed to be. And um, I would have loved twins. And now I'm like so grateful that I had my kids after I took care of all my BS physically and mentally. And it, de it depends on what type of nutritionist you're working with. Um, I know not all nutritionists um, even believe in gluten intolerances or autoimmune as long as, as they're aware of that and linking it back to, you know, thyroid health, gut health. Um, so, I mean, it's, that's not an easy question for me to answer um, because I would have to, um, I actually am and now working with a client, but the way she wanted to start working with me is that she sent me all of her test results and her history. And she's like, okay, look at it and see where I need to go. And um, yeah, it was obvious, like she hadn't had a thorough gut health test. And that's, that's like the key for me. Like you need to know where, what your gut is doing. Um, because if you're having all these underlining issues and infertility is like the cherry on top, we want to know why. Um, so it's, yeah, it's not an easy question for me to answer. Sorry. Um, okay. So sugar we've covered. Um, so secondary infertility, um, is like, I like getting a lot more clients with secondary infertility because it's so similar to unexplained infertility. And like, I personally think even more frustrating because you um, you've proven that you can do it. Right. It was easy. It was natural. Like you didn't like, um, you know, give a second thought with it. And so um, with secondary infertility, what's most likely happened is that you uh, fell off your fertility cliff after you've had your second or your first or your second baby. It's highly likely that those babies help push you over that cliff, especially with thyroid issues. Um, because it is pregnancy is stressful. Uh, babies are stressful. Um, it's just really hard. So everything that you were dealing with before your baby and never really gave much thought to because it wasn't impacting your day-to-day -day life so much so that, um, you know, you're hospitalized or anything like that. But then you have your babies, you want another one. And now your normal health issues um, have added up so much to secondary infertility. So you've just fallen off your cliff a little bit later in life. Um, so it's really, once again, about getting down to the root cause of what's tipped you over the edge and fixing that through, you know, diet and lifestyle changes. And I know it sucks. I know that you were able to do it living a normal life before or whatever normal is. Um, but bodies change, you know, like we, we're never the same um, year, I mean, even month to month. That's why some of these um, tests are so irrelevant because they're literally a snapshot in time. 
So when you're working with functional medicine and you get these tests, that's when you want to act on them like right away. You know, some people come with me with thyroid tests like six months ago. And I was like, I'm like, no, like we need to know what it's doing now. Um, and when you're having thyroid issues, you want to know monthly or, you know, every three weeks sometimes where those levels are at. Because um, especially your TSH, you can literally have a very stressful like few days before your test. And then your TSH levels are through the roof because that stress actually comes from your brain. That, that marker isn't a thyroid marker. It's from your brain, um, your pituitary gland. And um, so test results, sometimes they're a snapshot in time we use them to um, help guide us, but we don't um, make an action plan off of those results. And sometimes that's what doctors do. They get your test results. They're like, oh, this is what's wrong with you. We'll do this. It's like, well, no, like why? Why are those things happening? Um, so that's with um, secondary infertility. I know there was one question about the DHEA and she was concerned about a non-cancerous lump, kind of going back to the same thing, like just because people have deemed it good, it might not be good for you. So um, I would follow your intuition on that. And just once again, I personally believe that nature did this on purpose. Like you really don't want to be, I mean, maybe not in today's society because we have like, you know, things to help us. Like it's a little bit more easier. <laughs> um, um, a little bit easier to dig deep with the inflammation first that's going on in your body. Fix that first. Um, I, I stumbled upon, um, I saw this actually ages ago and where all this kind of hype of women you know, women's fertility, like massively decreasing um, when they get into their, uh, like, well, as they grow older, right? We have modern conveniences, right? Uh, but back in the day, like, you don't want to be taking care of a baby, especially when breastfeeding was the only way to keep that child um, alive. Um, when you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, people didn't even live that long back then. That was like a long time frame. So we are definitely we have the bodies of our ancestors and unfortunately we live in a completely different um, society now. So that's why our fertility decreases because I think nature knew what it was doing. Um, but the, um, so there's an author, she's um, a psychologist and she ended up having children late in life. And I think she's just a researcher and she was probably told like, oh, it's going to be really hard for you. So she ended up writing a book called Impatience Woman's Guide to Getting Pregnant. And in chapter six, she talks about um, the research that this is all based off of that our fertility, like, oh, you're never going to get pregnant in your 40s is from church birth records in rural France back in 1670 to 1830. Um, so it'd be interesting if you wanna dig deep and read that research to kind of like boost your confidence if you're an older mom um, or if you're dealing with low AMH or like, you know, bad A quality and the doctors are telling you there's nothing you can do. Um, 
And also some of the studies that I came across in um, researching this is I truly believe that um, that a lot of people in these studies that were getting are sick, you know, like I was sick, like no one would look at me and say I was sick, but I was sick in my 20s and my early 30s. Like I was, I'm pretty sure I was infertile at like 18, 19. Um, so if I would have went into a study, um, they would have used me and, and said, oh yeah, your, your fertility decreases, right? Or I mean, whatever, I'm probably not a good example. But I think people, when they get into their 40s or their late 30s and they want to start trying, once again, we just haven't focused on keeping up a certain level of health. And then we want to get pregnant. And then there's these issues. And then, the, oh, you have low mage and then your A quality. But there's not really any conversation about like where your baseline health is. I had um, a comment, uh, like a, a comment here too. And she's talking about like all her issues with IVF and not like really getting great results. Um, but she said, I'm only 29. I'm fairly healthy, hyperthyroid thyroidism, suspected endometriosis, and um, iron issues. And, you know, like, to me, like, that's not, like, healthy enough. Like, that's enough red flags to say that your body isn't going to be able to support fertility because it's just trying to support itself. And so a lot of the times, if you're not fixing these from a root cause issue and you're just using medication, and I don't like, I have nothing against medication, but if you're just using the thyroid medication and you're not addressing the root cause of why your thyroid is hooking up or like linking to your endocrine system and all that, you're gonna have fertility issues. The inflammation in your body, you're not addressing the inflammation when you're using medication. So that's still going to build up and that's still going to affect or could affect your A quality. Um, there's nothing you can do to raise an AMH um, score, uh, to my knowledge. Um, and, but like I said at the beginning, that's not something we should actually focus on. Anyways, um, you know, an A... Women should cycle every month. That's how we were designed. I know for a lot of us, that's not the case anymore. Um, sometimes it is a genetic thing where we're born with it. Um, and then our diet and lifestyle make it worse. Sometimes it is um, just our diet and lifestyle has gotten so bad that it just tipped us over the edge. Um, in reality, if you start cycling at the age of 13, and let's just say you end at 43, I know we can go a lot, a lot further on, but that's 30 years. And in that time, if you ovulate regularly, that's only 360 times. That's only 360 chances. And we know that um, not all of those are gonna be viable. They're not all viable eggs. So when you're talking about these numbers, they really dramatically decrease and you can't really do um, anything about that scientifically that that's going to happen no matter if you're unhealthy or healthy. 
But the moment you are able to start improving your health, your normal physical health, your thyroid, your gut, your stress levels, um, you are going to improve the quality of your eggs. You can really have a big impact. I had a comment about concrete evidence of this. Um, there's definitely scientific evidence out there that your diet and your lifestyle impact your health. And we really need to move away from our fertility being separate. It's part of us. It's part of our health. So therefore, if there's scientific evidence, go look up epigenetics. Um, it's fairly new, I suppose. Um, it's, it's definitely been around for at least a decade now, if not more, but it's not mainstream. Um, maybe some of you guys have heard of it. But this, you know, the evidence is out there. There's scientific proof that our genes are not set in stone. They're, they're, they're plastic. Yes, you get born sometimes um, with unfavorable genes, but your diet and your lifestyle play more of a part of how those genes are expressed. So um, the evidence is out there, um, but it's unfortunate it's just slowly getting like the credit it deserves and then obviously you have the modern medical system that has been built on treating um, disease so IVF is a treatment uh, for infertility and it's an amazing thing that we have but it was literally designed for women who truly needed it now it's used for everyone, everyone dealing with infertility at some point, I'm sure a doctor has said to you, we'll just go try IVF. Like I know I did. <laughs> so an IVF wasn't the answer to my infertility and it's not the answer to a lot of people's infertility. Now there's a difference of educating yourself and having the knowledge and going, okay, I want to use IVF to speed up this process. That's a completely different mindset to, I, I have this issue, therefore only IVF is going to solve it. Um, and then therefore you don't think that you need to do any work to prep yourself for the IVF. Like you are the only one who can control your a quality. Um, to improve that. And like I said, you got to take at least three months to really have a big impact. And then um, the aftermath, right? Like your baby, you still have to welcome your baby back. Um, yes, they do use hormones to help support that and immune suppressant drugs if you're dealing with an immune issue. But after that, it's still you. It's still you giving your, your, your baby all the nutrients it needs to thrive. Um, and it's not about survival. It's about thriving. Like we all want the best for our children. Um, but unfortunately, we just haven't been taught um, that there is, um, there can be, you know, side effects. There can be issues. And when people talk about um, the statistics of IVF babies um, having higher incidences of like ADHD or autism or uh, food sensitivities or like any kind of like little issues and stuff. Like it, I personally don't believe it's the IVF. I believe it's the state of your health going into IVF. So um so it's, it's a lot to think about. And once again, it's not tangible. It's really 
hard to live day to day to day to think about your child's health, you know, 10 years down the line or even nine months down the line. Um, but it is, I think it's helpful. And I know it helped me when I learned about when I learned about this stuff um, to fight through some of like the lower time. <laughs> lower times um, when you just wanted to give up or you you didn't want to care about things. Um, that information really um, helps you to set yourself up for success. I know there was a question about um, luteal phase as well. So the good news about putting in all the hard work with your diet and your lifestyle, um, your sleep, your environmental issues, that it all will trickle down to every issue you're possibly having. Um, yes, sometimes there's targeted approaches to like thyroid issues or gut issues, um, but the, the big bulk, the main things you need to be doing will improve all areas of any issue that you're having in your body. So if you're having a luteal phase, um, issues. So that's after you ovulate. And that's one of the main issues for um, not getting pregnant um, or early pregnancy loss. Um, regulating your hormones um, through your gut, because <laughs> it all happens in the gut, um, will help and especially your endocrine system. And that's why your thyroid is so important and why I get so frustrated seeing a lot of people dealing with thyroid issues and doctors not taking it seriously because your endocrine system is so important and because at the bottom of your endocrine system is your ovaries um, and your hormones they it, it all plays together so if you start taking these steps you will see uh things really improve um i think that is is all i don't know how long we've been going probably a really long time oh my gosh i've um, okay, so we have a few questions. Um, I think I've, I've, so how do you know your egg quality is good? Um, I think I answered that, but it, it through, through IVF. That's the only way right now that we can check um, egg quality. Unfortunately, um, I'm sure, I'm sure they're out there devising a test, um, but but yeah, right now we just have the AMH score, which is not even a good um, representation of, of fertility anyways, whether or not you can or cannot. Um, so we talked loads about inflammation, definitely diet and lifestyle. Um, yes, it doesn't matter what your TSH, oh, your, TA, your TSH, um, 9.5 way too high. So an optimal uh, TSH level for fertility is 2 to 2.5. Um, yeah, that's, that's really um, high. And it could be two factors. Um, I have two clients at the moment. One, they both are dealing with thyroid issues. One, it's all driven from their gut and the other it's all driven from their mental and emotional state um which they both coincide but like the root cause can be different for for people so um so yeah i 
I think that's me for today. <laughs> that was a good go. I really, really hope that this has helped answer some questions and um, even some fears around having a low AMH score and giving you the knowledge that you can really truly improve your aid quality. If you lower your inflammation, find the root cause of where, where it's at. Um, so yeah, so you guys know I'm here on Instagram. You can always reach out over on the podcast. There's loads of amazing good stuff. And yeah, you guys know I have the fertility food program. So if you want to dive deep into your diet and find your food intolerances, you can go there. And the fertility formula is actually live now. It's an evergreen course that you, it's all self-driven. Um, so you can tap into that now, which is super exciting. Um, and the fertility food program is in the fertility formula. So you get it all there. So if you've already done diet changes and you're ready to do some of the next steps, that's the fertility formulas for you. And I always do one-to-one -one coaching as well. So get on the wait list and let's make your guys' dreams come true. If you have any more questions, just shoot them um, on the DM or email me at monica at findingfertility.co. And I hope you guys have a lovely day and we'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.